boys in the building. <laughs> With the fourth pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets select Speech. It's Garrett Wilson. Honestly, I don't know how to go on anymore. The Jets draft just needs to start already. I'm sick of the takes. I'm sick of every single wide receiver being the, you know, all their tweets. There's like, oh, he's going to be a Jet. Enough. The draft needs to get here. So welcome back to turn on the Jets draft season. I know I sound like I'm in a very just over it mood, and that is the case. So, James, it didn't have you last week. We all know you hate running backs, and we're so so discouraged the fact that we decided to talk about them that you didn't even show up to the podcast so how are you after your one week sabbatical i'm good i'm excited to be back with you guys good good to hear good to hear joe like i i just wanted to be here i'm sick of the mocks i'm sick of the will they trade for this will they do this well who will fall i just want it to happen i just want to know so like you know you, you have to talk me off the ledge tonight listen me it's episode 25 we made it this far just want to tell you guys all that I appreciate you and have a lot of love for you guys, despite some of the uh, contentious debates and battles we get into. Because we got like two weeks left, man. It's, it's fantastic. We got one more pod before this whole thing happens. Maybe two. Maybe we'll do a surprise one dropping that Wednesday before the draft. But this is wonderful. You know, get pumped, man. We're, at the, we're in the home stretch, my friend. Honestly, when I saw Joe Horning say he'd rather have Boye Mafe than KT, that kind of broke me. No offense to him. But uh, Dylan, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, this is like my 25th anniversary, I feel like, of now being on the pod with you guys. Um, I'm bright and cheery today, even though the mood is kind of at the point where we're at the finish line and we really just want to get there because I, not a slight of Joe Horning, but man, I can't hear the negative and annoying part of this fan base continue their um, takes about whatever and anything at this point. I'm just so over it, but I'm pumped to get to the draft. Yeah, George Pickens is as good as AJ Green, and then I digress. It's 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 just a lot, but I think the two positions we're going to talk about tonight. I think everyone admits the Jets need to get better at one of these positions, and I feel like the other one is the one everyone forgets about, and people think it's okay that Quincy Williams is slated to start for this Jets roster, which is just not good in any scenario. So I think we should start there with the needed linebacker. And this is a very good linebacker class, in my opinion. A lot of fun guys. We're going to talk about a bunch of them tonight. So, Joe, you were just bombarding me in the pre-show with all your takes about this linebacker class. So why don't you start off for us? All right, Meigs, I'll start with my top five. I got to tell you, this was a tough one for me at five between Troy Anderson, the alien from Montana State, and the guy who finally settled in as my linebacker. And that's Quay Walker from Georgia. This is kind of your prototypical run and chase type of linebacker, but he's got some thumper vibes too. He can cover tight ends and running backs and man, and has a solid feel for zone responsibilities, but he's also strong coming downhill and shedding blocks or sorting through traffic to make a play in the run game specifically between the tackles. I will say though, that at times he's easily displaced by offensive linemen when flowing to the perimeter, looking to blow up a screen. He needs to do a better job of fighting through blockers or just straight up avoiding them and making a play in those situations. I didn't love that, especially since the Jets are already horrible in the screen game. I think we all know that. The Kentucky game in particular gave me some pause with him because of that. And 
why he's not higher on my list. If he can clean that up, I think he could be a great player. Overall, though, I think Walker displays a really good blend of processing and explosiveness that make him a high upside player for sure. Solid second round prospect for me. Don't really see the kind of love of him going in the first round. I think he's kind of being a little overrated in that respect, but listen, to each their own. But another guy who I think will be drafted kind of in that second round range is my linebacker four, and that's Christian Harris from Alabama. I will admit I liked Harris more the second go around, almost like a bad movie that you end up liking the second time you see it for some reason. And listen, this dude gets downhill like a heat-seeking missile and knows when to fill gaps in the run game. He's got some good range too. I've seen him go from the backside C gap to the play side boundary and destroy a running back in the backfield. I've seen him diagnose and blow up screens consistently, which is something definitely missing from the Jets defense and something kind of missing from Quay Walker's game, as I mentioned. He still needs to work on his coverage and I don't like how hot and cold he gets. I'm sure Dylan's going to mention that. But Harris is an intriguing player. Far from perfect, but the potential is definitely there. And speaking of perfect, Michael Meehan, love me some Chad Muma, my linebacker three. I think he's the ideal running mate for CJ Mosley, but I also think he has the skill set to eventually take over for him. He just needs to get a little stronger at the point of attack. And the sky's the limit for this guy. He's a do-it-all linebacker who has the chops to be a true field general. If the Jets want a linebacker, this is someone I'd, I'd have no issue with them pulling the trigger on in round two. And another guy who could be an absolute steal in round two is my linebacker too, the Kobe Dean from Georgia. He plays faster than anybody in the draft. Hands down, his play speed is ridiculous. Nobody processes information on the field like Dean. High IQ player, like I said, round two steal if he's there. And I also want to touch on something with him later. Maybe James could talk about it. If he actually is a good fit in this Jets defense, I am curious what you guys think. But moving on to number one, Devin Lloyd definitely wears the crown in this linebacker class. He can cover, get downhill, take on blocks, rush from the edge. You can line him up in the A-gap, drop him in coverage, blitz him, or run him on stunts or twists. Very much like what Salad does with Mosley and Fred Warner. I mean, he's the all-around complete linebacker. I'm not concerned with his 40 time either. Fred Warner ran a 4.64, so that's a non-factor for me. And from a skill perspective and a versatility perspective, he's the closest thing in this draft to Micah Parsons and otherwise very much in the same mold of a Fred Warner as well. Great, great player and maybe the best defensive player in the draft. Joe, spicy, spicy. I don't, this is maybe one of the few times that me and Joe completely agree because Joe literally gave the listeners my top five as he gave his own. So I feel very good about that. Um, in regards, I'll touch on a couple of players here before I give it to Dylan, see if he has anything to spice things up. But uh, I think the two guys I really want to hone in on are the guy that you we both love in Chad Muma, who to me, he's the perfect blend of the modern linebacker in this class where that he is a former safety. So, you know, the coverage ability is there. He can go sideline to sideline. He was a good mover in space. I really trust him in zone coverage. I think he's got really good eyes. Sometimes in man, he can get a little flat footed, but to be honest, he still has the speed to run with any tight end or running back. He's going to see in the NFL. I just wish he got off his blocks a little quicker. I think that's when you highlight his play strength. I think that was a good point. But in regards to Nagobi Dean, who I think is kind of falling in this draft, we haven't really seen him test. I wouldn't be surprised if he fell out of the first round and became like a top 40 pick. All of Nagobi Dean's like best plays are just coming on when he gets to blitz and he has a defensive line that just keeps him so clean. And he can really just con those delay blitzes and then he can just pick 
quarterbacks who have to step up in the pocket or uh, whether it's like a nice draw and he just blows up the running back and all those splash plays are awesome. I just, I guess my question is for James, who's maybe the biggest Nicobe Dean fan I know. And if you look at James big board, he's probably going to be in like the top eight of it. James, do you worry about him having to adjust just not playing with the defensive line? That's just, was just at the quality of Georgia's. Yeah, I think it's a consideration. Um, I mean, I think, look, the way I view Dean, though, um, in spite of that is he kind of reminds me in a few regards, uh, you know, kind of like Jeremiah Wusukoromoa from last year, where undersized, plays overhang, plays some traditional linebacker. Um, And we saw JOK did really well in the NFL um, in that in a sort of like sub package rotational role and, you know, probably merited a first round pick in retrospect. So now it doesn't really affect my valuation of him, but it's something to account for. I think I'm kind of there with, uh, that's why I kind of posed the questions. You think he's a fit for the Jets because like you said, Meeks, he's kind of protected by that defensive line. But when you look at Salas 425 and the guy who's playing the other linebacker position, this is a guy who needs to do a little running and chasing, something that Nicobe Dean definitely can do. But he also needs to get downhill and be a little bit of a thumper sometime, take on those blocks. And I just don't know if Dean would be able to do that in this defense. I think when it comes to the Jets, he could maybe be a little bit more of a weak side linebacker and things of that nature. If they kind of go more to a traditional 4-3, uh, maybe he even could play a little safety, kind of like what James was talking about with the Wusu Koromoa. Like that's pretty much what he kind of ended up being with the Browns as well. I think the perfect fit for him, though, is being kind of like in a 3-4, maybe playing that Mike linebacker and being protected by, say, a Ted, a bigger guy who could take on those blocks just so he could run around and just absolutely destroy people. I think that's really like the ideal situation for him. Or if somebody was deploying more of a traditional 4-3 and used him as a weak side linebacker where he could be protected as well. So for the Jets, you know, I know a lot of people are hoping he falls to round two, but I'm kind of like, ah, you know, is he really a good fit for this defense? As much as I love him, I, I think I might pass on him because I don't think he is the ideal player in a salad defense. Yeah, Joe, I, you're kind of really hitting the nail on the head for me. It's that I really just like the values, the value, and Kobe Dean's such a smart player. He's he's the culture character guy that Joe Douglas and Robert Tyler are going to preach for, and you just you want to take a chance on that guy just to be just like when the value, if the value is, if he's there at 35, is that too good to pass up? I think if, you, if you're going to tweak your defense, he's a player worth doing it for. But I do agree that I don't think it's the best scheme fit for basically what we've seen him put at Georgia to what we've basically seen from Robert Salas defenses. Uh, Joe, who's your comp for Chad Muma? Or like yeah. comp for Chad Muma? Because I, I had one, I tried not to pick a white linebacker and be progressive. And I want to know if you think I'm crazy. Tell me. Shaq Thompson. Who? Shaq Thompson, the Carolina linebacker. From Carolina Panthers? Yep. Uh, you know what? Thompson came into the league as a safety, converted to linebacker. I, I could see that comp. You know, I, I think that's pretty good news, actually. I, I could see them as being comparable yeah. players. Two converted safeties ran the four sixes, but I really think got really good IQs and vision. Dylan, is, is your top five just going to spice everything up and really, really just set the fireworks off for this episode? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I think I our brains got a little too meshed together last week when it was just the three of us and there was no James here to keep me from kind of veering astray. And unfortunately, 
there's not going to be a whole bunch of spice for our listeners. I'll hit you guys with my four and five because it's a little different than your guys's and just because of who my five is and my take on four. Um, but my one, two, three are the exact same. So I'll start with them. Uh, Devin Lloyd, I mean, obviously he does it all. He would be the dream to somehow be a New York Jet. But the reality is that even though he, and I mentioned earlier in the season, the Fred Warner thing that I thought they were stylistically very similar players. I thought if he was a New York Jet, they would end up playing similar roles to how he played in Salah's defense. Um, And then Warner also, but the 40 time down to that note too, that was a perfect hit, Joe, because that was something I wanted to mention that the 40 times ended up being similar because we haven't talked about him in a while. I just like everything Lloyd brings to the table. I think he'd be amazing for the Jets. The reality is he's going to go and have success somewhere else because he deserves to get drafted in the first round pretty highly. Um, Nicobe Dean at two, obviously. um, And I do think he could fit in the Jets offense or Jets defense, sorry, if they tailored certain things to him. But I agree if they can to go with the traditional Salah style defense. I don't know if he could fit naturally without some legitimate tweaking to the defensive style, but for a player of that talent, I mean, maybe you take the chance. So that would be my only take on him with the Jets, but obviously you guys kind of hit the nail on the head with Dean. He's IQ, he's intellectual, and he's a freak athlete and Buckus Award winner and having more talented, consistent players would never be a bad thing in this defense. And then three, a guy that you guys really turned me on to earlier in the draft process, and then I began to kind of fall in love with was Chad Muma. I love a guy who racks up a lot of tackles and 142 tackles definitely speaks to that. So yeah, Muma is my number three. And then to everybody's shock, my number four is actually Christian Harris. And the reason I hate Christian Harris, I would like the listeners to know this. It's not because I hate Christian Harris. It's because exactly what you said, Joe, that you thought maybe I'd get fired up is because he's so hot and cold because you see a prospect here who has all the potential, all the athletic feasibility to be a guy like a Nicobe Dean, to be that athletic, fluid linebacker who is actually somewhat intellectual, but he's so streaky that it's the reason he's going to fall out of the first round ultimately for me, because he's just can't show it consistently. But honestly, a guy who is so good in coverage at times, obviously there's times I watch him and I get mad because I've broken that down time to time on this podcast, but with tight ends in this division, like Dawson Knox, uh, Hunter Henry, Mike Kosicki, you do have to lean towards, okay, maybe Christian Harris wouldn't be the worst idea for the New York Jets. So although the fans may think I hate him, I'm saying it, maybe he's not the worst idea at 38. It's going to be hard for me to sell myself on him, but if he's not streaky here, like he's been at Bama, then I'll be happy. And the number five for me is not going to go the same way as you guys. I went with Darian Beavers. I know we talked Let's about Let's go, him. Dylan. Talked about him a little Love bit off there last week, but he's the traditional kind of linebacker you want. He's a hard hitter. He's a thumper. He's got that high IQ. He's a guy that really was a cornerstone in that Cincinnati defense this season. For all the talk about um, Miyagi Sanders or Maja Sanders um, on the edge, he was a big name for a while and then the cornerback duo with Brian and sauce I think Beavers really gets underlooked because if you watch the Cincinnati tape this guy makes plays time and time again so I think he's going to have a lot of success at the next level and he was my number five linebacker but I mean Walker was up in there and then also you mentioned Troy Anderson and there was a part of me that wanted to spice it up for the listeners and leave Harris out and be consistent with my takes here. But the reality is Harris is still a top four linebacker in this class, but there's people who still see him as three and some that I think have grown out of him at two, but I, I do see him at four, but he just made four because I wanted to spice it up a little bit, even though I, I decided not to, I decided to be a legit analyst here, but that's my, my ultimate differentiator is obviously Beavers. Yeah, let, let me touch on Beavers for a second because I, I know Meigs wants to touch on him as well. But 
I also love his game. Listen, this is a very physically dominant prospect. The guy is definitely an animal, high IQ player who always seems to be in the right position, but that's also kind of what my problem is with him, right? He needs to be perfect. And I just don't think he is going to be perfect in the NFL because I just don't think he has the athleticism to recover if he makes a mistake. And while he did have a really nice three cone, I, I feel like his athleticism is really going to kind of kind of hinder him in becoming like a really outstanding player in the NFL. Although I do respect him being in the top five. I love watching him play. I mean, the guy is ferocious on the field. I mean, he's making play after play. But again, I, I question like if he's not seeing it the way it's supposed to be, you know, if it's not unfolding before his eyes the way he would anticipate it, this is a guy you could really catch off guard. And honestly, as far as man coverage, I mean, you just run somebody at him and it's pretty much over. Like he can't handle matching up in man versus some of these wide receivers or tight ends in the league. I just personally don't think so. What do you think, Meeks? Uh, I'm happy Dylan brought him up because I do love Darian Beavers. Uh, I'm just, after watching the Jets linebackers year after year, just having no idea how to diagnose a run fit. It's very refreshing when someone knows how, knows how to fill a gap. And then once he gets his hand on the guy, it's over. I do share your same concerns, Joe. I do think his athletic testing, while is encouraging, do you think that maybe he is more of an athlete than he's given credit for? But his film, I don't think, really reflected it. So I really do think it's if you're a glass half full, a glass half empty philosophy in regards to that. And with your point about him doing guys in man, yeah, he's going to be a strictly zone coverage player. If we basically put him in that role and he's going to be a two down guy until he really proves he can be that three down linebacker that I think we want him to be because he it's, he's a classic throwback linebacker. And, you know, it's just nice seeing those guys still playing the league, but I, we insulted I, I, Kobe Dean, Joe, and James has something to say about it. I insulted Nicole. No, we all did, apparently. So, James, James, please take the floor. I just want to add that I think one of the benefits of the team that drafts Nicole Dean is that, yes, he projects as a will linebacker, but he allows you to play more base defense while still having coverage bodies on the field. And I think that's like a very underrated benefit because I know the NFL has trended more towards playing as many defensive backs as possible on the field. What Dean gives you is the ability to you know, play coverage, but at the same time have integrity against the run. And so I think like, you know, the team that gets Dean can do some very interesting stuff schematically because you can play with three linebackers, but you can still cover as if you had five DBs. So, I mean, I think you make a good point, James. If Sala decides to go back into like his more like four, three traditional set and use him as a will, I could see that. I, I could see him thriving in that. I know he's kind of moved to that four, two, five and likes to have five defensive backs on the field at the same time, but you know, maybe he can be that kind of linebacker safety hybrid. You know, I, I feel like he does have the chops to do that. So, you know, maybe you're right. I, I think we're going to see what happens because I think there is a good chance he falls to the second round. But I do want to ask you guys, I mean, Meeks, would you be cool with taking Christian Harrison round two? I know Dylan all of a sudden likes it. How do you feel about that? Uh, if you gave me, so say, so just hypothetical, let's say edge at four, wide receiver at 10, and they went corner at 35. Corner safety at 35, right? Like this very possible Jets draft. I would have zero issues taking a linebacker at 38, and I would take either of the top four guys at 38. Yeah, my only issue with Christian Harris is that I see him as a running mate. I don't really see him as a replacement for Mosley. And if I'm targeting a linebacker in round two, it has to be somebody who's going to eventually take over that role. And I just don't see... Christian Harrison that I actually called him the rich man's Quincy Williams. And I kind of still think he is like that. 
Some guy who's good going downhill. Christian Harris. Eh, come on, Joe. That's me. Come on. I called he's him the rich man's Quincy Williams, Meeks. Dude, he's like <laughs> Jeff Bezos, man. Freaking Quincy Williams. Don't don't disrespect Christian Harris like that. Come Listen, on. Listen, they have there. There are some similarities to their game. I just think that Christian Harris is just a bit of an upgrade, and I don't know if I'm really looking for an upgrade in round two. I feel like you could find these guys maybe even on, on day three in this pretty deep linebacker class. I think Channing Tindall might even yeah. be there in round four, and I think that that would probably be a better target if they're looking for somebody to be the player who plays next to Mosley as his running mate. No, I can, I clearly understand what you're saying, but I think Jets fans should be completely okay. If the Jets want to use one of those second rounders on the linebacker. And with this class, I don't think that's bad value at all, but we got to go to the position that, you know, the Jets did somewhat fill it in free agency, bring back LaMarcus Joyner signing Jordan Whitehead. But I think the Ashton Davis experiment, uh, is about over. I think people think the Jets need more help at safety, and there's a fun safety class. This is the exact reason why you don't spend a top 10 pick on a safety because there's a lot of really good safeties, I think, in this class, and a lot of guys who can really help the Jets. And uh, Dylan, uh, I want to start with you about this one. How, how do you see the safety class stacking up? All right. So, first, I do want to say I, I it's not that I like Christian Harris in the second round. It's that I will be able to accept it. It's not that I straight up hate him. I just wanted to we'll alert the fan base that before I get any mentions from Joe Horning or anybody else that, oh my God, your worst nightmare is a New York Jet. Regardless, uh, I'll dive into the safeties. I do want to apologize in advance, James. Marone McKinley did not make my top five, um, but Should be in the top 10. At the same time, at the same time, I also left out my guy Kirby Joseph, but I did want to mention both of them because I know last week we did honorable mentions, but they would have been my honorable mentions. Um, going through it uh, relatively quickly, number five for me is Jalen Petrie from Baylor, All Big Twelve player. He's probably the best, I would argue, aside from Hamilton, in the box safety in this class. Um, he could work in the slot, he could work in dime, he could work really all over. He has a lot of room to grow all around. Um, he's a good tackler, blitzes well, pretty instinctual, and when he bursts through the gaps, he is a rocket. So I think Petrie has a lot of room to grow and will do just that at the next level. And I'm really excited to see where Petrie lands. And if he ends up being in New York Jet, it could be a really interesting fit, but I don't think he would be a New York Jet just obviously because of the ad of Whitehead. And I think Joyner kind of both of them kind of play his role. And then it kind of gets into four guys who could be New York Jets. Well, one who probably wouldn't be a New York Jet, but three who could realistically be New York Jets. Number four for me is my guy from Penn State. Happened to see him this weekend, Jaquan Brisker. He was voted MVP on the team. The durable guy, a grinder, the Juco boy. Um, has very good ball skills. Um, really intellectual. Really good play recognition. Overall, though, I think there's a lot of room for him to develop in coverage still. I still think that it's really not the most refined. I think that's kind of the reason he fell out of these top three guys is because he still needs to get more refined in coverage overall. But I think the tools are there and the basic football base is there for a safety who will continue to grow and have pretty good success at the next level. Um, number three for me is Lewis Seen, a guy I actually really haven't talked a lot about on this podcast. Um, led Georgia in tackles, really consistent, good burst, processes things really quickly, anticipates really well. He works well in zone and man coverage. I think that there's a lot of room for him to still improve certain levels of his game. But overall, I think he's really talented and is probably firmly in that top three, at least for me. And I'm curious to see if you guys all have him firmly in that top three as well. But a guy I've grown to love a lot more in the past couple of weeks. Um, number two is a guy who 
isn't really the most talked about Michigan guy because uh, Aiden Hutchinson took a lot of those headlines on obviously when he's the best player in this class. Uh, it's Daxton Hill for me at number two. Um, he is speedy. He's versatile. He could work in two high packages. He could work in single high. He could even work in nickel. He's good in both really any kind of coverage you put him in. He's speedy. He's sticky. He is a really good safety and a guy who I've loved since I did Dylan's dimes on him and a guy I think is going to have a lot of success at the next level. And the number one is the chess piece of all chess pieces, a guy who's going to be utilized all over, all over at the next level. He's the safety version of Micah Parsons. His IQ is off the charts. I think he can be an absolute star just like everybody else. Uh, sideline to sideline range is absurd. And I think Kyle Hamilton is going to be a superstar. And he is my top safety in this class. Read it and weep Michael Megan. So, yeah, that's my top five. Uh, I, I just want to touch on, uh, Dylan, we basically have this, we basically have the same top five. It's just, okay. uh, uh, I'll tell you about the players that are switched for the listener's sake, but I do want to just make a comment about Kyle Hamilton. I like, he's going to be Justin Simmons. Justin Simmons is very good. You don't, we don't have to overrate him. Like he's going to change the way safety's played, but, uh, the two guys that actually have swapped, uh, are Daxon Hill and Lewis scene. I have Lewis as my safety too. I love Lewis scene. I think he's the smartest player in the Georgia defense. I really think that coaching staff really trusted him to handle a lot of roles. I really like how he sees the field, how he processes. Yeah, I think the biggest question for him is he played in a lot of cover two shells, which you're going to do just how the NFL is changing. And yeah, do I trust him playing single high right away? No, I, I really, I really don't. But to be honest, I don't think the Jets are going to be or should be playing that much single high given just how their corners Really, I think there's a bunch of question marks there. I'm not really outside of DJ Reed. But, uh, yeah, I love Lucene. He's a heat-ticking missile. It's really just nice to have safeties that can tackle, and I would love to have two of them who can actually, actually tackle. As for Jalen Petrie, who is my safety five, and I know Joe's a little upset about that because he loves Jalen Petrie. Uh, to me, like the pro comp for Jalen Petrie is Jordan Whitehead, and we signed him. So I do think if you would talk about his fit on the Jets, it is a repetitive skill set. But Jalen Petrie is going to be a really good player and a smart defensive coordinator. Like Dave Aranda really showed how to use him. Uh, so, Joe, I'll go to you. All right, I'll give my top fives, and I guess we could, I could comment a little bit about what you guys were talking about. But number five for me is Jaquan Brisker from Penn State. Number four for me is actually Lewis Seen from Georgia Meigs. Both of these guys are great in the box and coming downhill. They both pack a serious punch. They're looking to just knock the snot out of you every time they lay a hit. Big fan of these prospects. And even though I like them better coming downhill right now, they can handle split safety looks or a single high roll as well. And I think that's the common theme with the prospects in the top five. They're all modern day versatile players that can wear many hats. And that's exactly what Salah is looking for, right? And when I'm moving on to number three, I, I don't think this is going to be a surprise because you know I love him, but it's Jalen Petrie from Baylor. I've been high on this guy for months and I'm glad he's getting the love he deserves. And I know this might be a little controversial. He might be the most versatile safety in the class outside of Hamilton, maybe even more than Hamilton if I'm keeping it real. Not only can he play in the box as a quasi linebacker or on the back end, he's also a very good slot corner and can play that big nickel, which I think is going to become a more prominent role going forward with slot receivers getting bigger and stronger. And as Shanahan's offense grows and teams deploy more condensed looks, Big nickel will be a more recognized position, and that will make Petrie even more valuable down the road, in my opinion. Meigs, you and I both said he reminded us a lot of Javon Holland. He moved to Jordan Whitehead for some reason, but and some people. I just want to, to, to give the Jets fans an accurate depiction. Well, Meigs, of the player they just signed. 
I think he hits. A, I think I think Jalen Petrie is a better tackle than Javon Holland, to be honest, don't you? I think that when it came to the way they were used on a collegiate level, I think they were used very similarly from a yes. schematic standpoint. And so you saw what Holland became in the NFL, and I can see that kind of ascension happening for Petrie as well. Mm-hmm. But there are also people out there who kind of been comparing him to the Honey Badger, and I think that he's actually a very good blend of those two players. Right now, he's a little bit more Badger than Holland, but I think the sky is the limit for who he can eventually develop into. This is a chess piece kind of player. And one of my guys in the draft, I'd love to see him in green and white because I think he can play that big nickel. Listen, you know, as I mentioned, you know, I think big nickel will become a little bit more prominent. Salah plays a four, two, five. And there are situations where, you know, teams come out in 11, right? And you have Michael Carter out there. They audible to a more condensed look. And then you have Michael Carter out there playing this like quasi linebacker role. I don't want to see the Jets in those particular situations as frequently as I did last year. And a guy who could satisfy that right now is somebody like Jalen Petrie. So I think he's a very good fit. I don't think Jordan Whitehead could play that position like Jalen Petrie does. I don't even think Kyle Hamilton could play that kind of big nickel the way Jalen Petrie can as well. I think he has that edge over Kyle Hamilton in that regard. But I also feel like, like I said, I think he could develop into potentially even a single high guy. There's so much that this guy can do. I I feel like he's really just a complete prospect. All it takes is getting the right coaching staff and getting him on the field. And I think that the Jets potentially could be a really perfect fit for him. And listen, I, I know I talked a lot about Petrie, but there's another one of my guys. And Meeks, it's kind of funny because you and I had a little bit of a love fest on Daxton Hill like a couple of months ago. And nobody was really talking about him to the Jets. One week later, everybody's mocking this guy to the New York Jets. And I like to think that that was kind of the impetus that caused that or like to think of it. I don't, I don't think it was any co- kind of coincidence. Let me just put it oh, that yeah. way. But Obviously, because we know there are thousands and thousands of people who care about our opinions. And once, once they heard that, it was just off to the races. I don't know if it's that many, but, you know, I know at least five people listen to our podcast, but let's just leave it there. Um, But as far as Dax as a player, he spends most of his time in the slot, but let's not get it mixed up. He might be the best single high safety in the class, even over Hamilton. Yes, I know. Blasphemies have been spoken, but the range instincts and athletic ability are there. And I think he's a day one starter in that role. I would make every effort to get him on the Jets if I were Joe Douglas and Robert Sala. He's another versatile guy who can, like I said, cover the slider tight ends, play a little in the box, but a single high, but single high is going to be his bread and butter. I think the Jets need him after missing out on Marcus Williams. I like a lot of safeties in this class, but I'd make it a priority to land this guy above all else. Jets deploy single high over 60% of the time. And this guy is perfect in every way. He can even play a little outside corner if need be. I mean, this guy is so good. I'm so impressed with him. He's tough as nails. He's a high processor and he might be the best overall safety in the class when it's all said and done. And I have to give DA some credit for being the first one to say that. But right now, the number one safety in this draft class is still Kyle Hamilton. He's a do-it-all safety and I think he's going to have a great career in the NFL. And I kind of agree with a lot of what Dylan said. So let's just leave it at that. Well, Dylan, it sounds like you have more to say. So why don't you, uh, you know, ask, ask Joe. Yeah, so I had a follow-up question for you, Joe. Um, this is about Daxton Hill. I do agree with you <clears throat> on a lot of what you said. I do think Petrie is incredibly talented. I think you oversold him a little bit, but same time, we both kind of <laughs> we both kind of see him a little differently as a prospect in certain ways. But my question for you was: so say presumably they take um they trade oh, this was the situation, they trade down from four, they keep 10. They have, um, say they trade to the Saints. So they have 10, 16, uh, I believe their other picks, 19. Yes. So that you have three picks in the first round. 
would you go offensive line receiver edge? Um, and basically oh. in the form of like, you go edge at 10 receiver at 16, and then you have Linderbaum, your guy looking you in the face or another offensive lineman and Daxton Hill at 19. Who are you taking? That was my follow-up. There are a lot of scenarios and a lot of picks that I would like uh, to be honest. I mean, it's hard to say right now, but I would love a scenario where it was like Drake London at 10, maybe Daxton Hill at 16. And then you get somebody like George Karlopas at 19. I think that's something that I could really get behind. The uh, Dylan, if I'll take this question, Jermaine at 10, Jameson at 16, Lewis Cien at 19, home run draft. I honestly don't understand how Jets fans are all in on this guy who just had his towards ACL. Elijah Moore got hurt last year. Corey Davis got hurt last year. Now you want a guy coming into camp who is like on one leg. It sounds, Dude, it, honestly, so I love good. Jameson Williams. I really like Jameson Williams. I haven't talked enough about how much I like him because the injuries are just scaring the crap out of me. I, I've taken him at 10. I think it's just a huge risk and could possibly. Joe, I said 16. We're taking Jermaine Johnson at 10. Relax. Oh, you said, uh, oh, you said Jermaine at 10? Jermaine I mean, at 10. Listen, at the same time, even at 16, I'm having reservations about this player coming in with a developing quarterback, right? With all these other players who seem to have some sort of predisposition to getting hurt. It seems like a recipe for disaster, to be honest. Okay. J uh, James, I know you're going to have some takes about the safety class and why we're wrong. So please, please let us have it. Honestly, I just want to talk about why I think Kyle Hamilton's going to bust. Let's go, James. Let's go. So I think it's, I think it's two factors, really. Or maybe it's a few things. Uh, hard to like. So I guess the first thing I would start with is the injuries. He does have like a pretty extensive injury history dating back to like middle school. Um, and that kind of makes you wonder like, all right, what's the durability going to be like in the NFL if it's been this bad at lower levels of competition? Um, and, and we know that injury is correlated to what you did in college and high school, you know, in the NFL. Second thing is I don't like hybrid players who, you know, they're like, oh, he's a unicorn. He can do anything. We saw that with Isaiah Simmons. Like you need to be able to master one thing and do it at a really high level. And most defenses don't work where like you play every single position. Like that's not really how most players work in the NFL. Um, that coupled with the, the last fact is that, like, would he be getting this much buzz if he wasn't six foot four? Like, no, he would not. If he was like six foot one, nobody would be talking about him as potentially generational. Um, I know that talk has died down, but it was a real thing. So I'm just kind of like, this feels this feels like very fake to me. I think he's going to be like an okay player in the NFL. I think he's going to be way overdrafted. He's going to be pretty unavailable in the NFL. And, uh, you know, four years from now, when we're, uh, you know, not seeing his fifth year option picked up, uh, I'll be playing this back. Listen, I have to disagree with you in the sense that teams don't really play a lot of players in different positions. When you look at Salah and like what he wanted to do with these safeties in particular at the beginning of the year, he brought in LaMarcus Joyner, some guy who could be that single high guy, but also some guy who could come, come in and cover the slot. Then you had Marcus May, who was on this team, who in those situations where you drop, say, Joyner into the slot, he could be that single high guy. He could be that free safety, right? Then he brought these kind of safety linebacker hybrids in with Hamsa and Sherwood. So I feel like that's definitely a real thing when it comes to the Jets. And I think that when it comes to finding safeties, he most certainly wants to play guys who are versatile. Some guys who, especially with the Jets, they don't want a lot of simulated pressures, right? I think a lot of the diversity, unpredictability comes from how, comes from how they use their safeties, right? Putting guys in too high, rolling them down. Now, if you could have two guys who could potentially play that single high role, 
right? Now you can interchange who you're rolling into coverage and it kind of makes you a lot more diverse and a lot more unpredictable. Most of the snaps in the NFL are won before the ball is even snapped. It's pre-snap. You know, I think like Salah does a good job of trying to disguise some things, even though last year it seemed a little vanilla. I feel like even the way it wasn't with San Francisco, every year his defense evolved, just kept evolving year after year. And I think you're going to see the same thing here with the Jets, where it looks a lot more multiple and it looks a lot more diverse and complex compared to what it did last year. Um, to James's point, which I just want to highlight, I do think what Joe said is correct, that Salah has targeted versatile players and he's targeted guys who can be give them multiple looks. But I also think that it's a lot easier to take a guy like Hamsa on day three. It's a lot easier to sign LaMarcus Joyner and have him play multiple roles when you're not devoting a lot of money to him. But when you're taking a guy in the first round, you kind of want to have a defined role for him so you know how to basically have him develop. And you just want just to make his transition as easy as possible. And I think that's what you kind of saw with Isaiah Simmons. The Arizona Cardinals didn't really have the you're just going to be a safety at the next level or you're just going to be our Mike linebacker at the next level. And I think that's why you've seen a player like that struggle. And I think if you ask Kyle Hamilton to do a lot of different things right away, I do think you're going to see some growing pains to James's point. And I think that's really like, I think like, with like to see like the honey badger, who's maybe the most versatile safety of the past 10 years of football that we've really seen. Like it took him a while to get, become this player and just become like chiefs, Tyron Matthew, I think the world was different than Cardinals Tyron Matthew, Joe. Would you agree? It means I just think there's growing pains for almost every player. And I really honestly, I don't even know if Isaiah Simmons is even a good comp for Kyle Hamilton. Simmons is a straight-up linebacker. Kyle Hamilton can actually play safety. I think maybe a better comp for him is Jeremy Chin, you know, a better Jeremy Chin. And I think, like, that's, like, how I see him playing in the NFL. And, I, I yeah, I mean, of course, he's a rookie and he's going to be asked to do a lot of things. But I don't think it's going to stop him from being the stud that he could be. All right, can I, can I just raise one last point? Uh, my main thing about the positional flex was a big argument people use in favor of Kyle Hamilton is he can play slot corner and he can play safety. And I just think, like, what slot receiver isn't cooking Kyle Hamilton in the NFL? Like, he's going to get cooked. Like, I, I mean, look, I've seen him, like, play – you know, I've seen him play slot reps. Like, he's not going to be able to keep up with most, like, fast receivers who are, like, twitchy as, as hell in the NFL. So, like, I, I just – I think the whole premise is like kind of flawed. People are talking themselves into this guy who looks like a unicorn, but really isn't that in my opinion. I think James, he is going to play slot versus big slot receivers and probably smaller guys, maybe in zone. You know, there are ways to protect him. Yeah. I don't think he's going to be matching up man to man against like one of the faster Wandell Robinson in the slot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, I don't see that happening. That would be it. He, he should, he should hope. Dude, 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 if he's playing Wandell Robinson, he's in the USFL in two years. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, James, I do want you to, uh, the guy you, the guy that you gave a gold star and not make any of our top five uh, safety lists. So why don't you get on the, get on the table for your boy? I just think Ron McKinley, Oregon safety is a very good player. Um, I think the athletic testing is really poor, um, but we know athletic testing isn't the end all be all. Um, and the main thing is like your processing ability is the mental stuff plus the physical physical is one component, but if you can recognize things before they happen, um, that gives you a leg up. I think, dude, I just think Verone McKinley is going to be a very good player. Like I think he's gonna be a player in the NFL. Yeah. I just now don't. you sound like me talking about like uh, play speed 
athletic ability and mental processing. You've been like all in on like these kind of athletic freaks all season, but when it comes to Verone, you kind of like put that to the side. Like you do you really love him that much. I mean, I've seen him run with Chris Olave in the slot. So. All right. That's fair. Listen, that was a really, that was his best game and everything after that kind of went downhill, but yeah, I do also, have to give and him like all his picks are off like tipped passes that he just happens to be standing there for. But James, if you get him right, please feel free to berate us with all yeah. With absolutely all your tweets, all your dunk takes. on us, absolutely dunk on us if we're wrong for sure. Yes, but Hold I it. do think to close out the show, um, because we can be a nice positional value thing. We can all have. I think we should all say at what position, in the draft, and which player do we want at safety and linebacker for the Jets? Because I do think everyone agrees that they need to make a draft pick at both of these positions. So, Joe, I know this is a question. I don't want to spring on you first. So, Dylan, I'll start with you. What's your ideal? pick and player for safety and linebacker for the Jets in the 2022 NFL draft? Ooh. Um, actually go to James first. I got I, I had a guy, but I'm going to go back on it. All right, James, what are you thinking? Ooh, N'Kobe Dean at pick 35 and uh, Verone McKinley on day three. Okay, okay. Um, I'll just go so I can give Dylan and Joe a little more time. It's Lewis Seen at pick 35, and it's Chad Muma at pick 38. Uh, Dylan, we good? Yeah. I would go, you know, just because I don't want to bank on Dean falling, um, just because maybe there's somebody at the back of the first round who takes him. I'll go Muma um, there at 38 still. I'll go with you, but I'll go uh, I'll go, I'll go, Daxton Hill at 35. But if he's not there, Jaquan Brisker at 69. Just because okay. it's meant to be. Okay. And Joe, what about you? Daxton Hill, 35, and I'm on board with taking Muma at 38, but, you know, uh, maybe we go Brees Hall instead. I don't know. Yeah, you and Mel Kuyper. Joe, did you see, did you see, did you see your dream mock? Honestly, I wouldn't hate that, man. Joe, you would literally be singing from the heavens if we took Drake London, Linderbaum, and Brees Hall in the same draft. Dude, I would be showering myself in champagne. <laughs> yeah, like, what we that's like three of your five favorite players in this draft. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought that mock was pretty sick. I think a lot of people, Jets fans, didn't like it, but I do understand the value of taking Brees Hall there. I know, Meeks, you said we should take a running back in 2023, but I feel like taking a running back in 2022 kind of is like taking a running back in 2023 because it does take them sometimes a year to develop. So mm-hmm. would have no issue with taking Brees Hall there. I think he's going to be potentially top five running back in the entire NFL. But to answer your question, I'll go with Muma there. But if I didn't go with Muma, I, I would maybe target somebody like Channing Tindall in the fourth round just to kind of be Mosley's running mate. I could see that as well. Yeah, no, I wouldn't hate also if uh, if they decide to go corner and if they want to push off safety and grab Brian Cook at 69. I think it's another player of the Cincinnati set, Cincinnati defense that a lot of people, more people should be talking about. I think that's a very good player. But another great episode this week. We will be back next week. So please, we'll be doing these podcasts all the way up to the draft, trying to alleviate all the just all the boring stuff that people have just been going on and on about. And you just, you know, we want the draft to get here. So make sure you make sure you subscribe to the pod. Please, the Badlands Draft Guide is coming out Monday, April 18th. Myself, Connor Rogers, Greg Armstrong, and Dennis have worked very, very hard on this. I think you guys are really going to like it, so be on the lookout for that, and make sure to tweet us with all your questions and all your takes. Have a good one.